Welcome to Creative on Purpose Live. These conversations are about flying higher and endeavors that make a difference. Step into possibility with integrity and intention. It's time to be creative on purpose. Are you ready? Let's ready. go. <laughs> I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Endeavor and founder of Creative on Purpose. Learn more about me and my work by grabbing a free copy of the Creative on Purpose handbook at becreativeonpurpose.com. Now, let's meet today's guest. Rhonda Taher, welcome to the broadcast. Please tell our viewers who you are what you're up to these days, and where we can connect with you to learn more. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Scott, for having me here. I really appreciate it. So my name is uh, Randa Tahir, and uh, uh, right now I'm speaking to you from the United Arab Emirates. Uh, my home was, for, for the past, like, um, all my adult life actually was in Canada, so Montreal and Toronto. And uh, what do I do? I help organizations with their culture of innovation. And I help specific individuals in those organizations, those that I call mavericks, uh, those entrepreneurs, uh, people who, who really need to know uh, specific processes and tools to break all the rigidness in their work. So I, I support them with that. I support them with those tools, with those processes, um, even if it means sending them a box of creativity packed in it. And you can find about it, uh, do have a website called sajuri.com. That's the, the company, but you can also find about the boxes on Instagram, sajuri.imagines. So from imagining happiness. Uh, but you can find me more, maybe talking more, maybe uh, uh, engaging more on LinkedIn, uh, Randa Tahir, and on Twitter. So Fantastic. So we uh, don't always have people that are so deeply connected to the idea of creativity. And so um, I would love to kind of start there and just, would you unpack what, what creativity, how you would define it or, or what it means and why it's important in, in your work? Yes. So creativity. Okay. I believe that every single person is born creative. This is my ultimate belief, right? Uh, what happens is a lot of people think that they're not creative. They assume that you need special power or special skills. And so the question is not how creative are you? It needs to be more of how are you creative? What are or in what ways are you creative? Uh, how do you uh, manifest that? So again, people assume that it's the number of ideas that you come up with, the connection that you make with unrelated things, the metaphors you create. And yes, those are ways to show that a person has fluency with ideas. But then you don't notice easily the people who take a very dull idea and perfect it uh, in a way like how do you implement it in a beautiful way? How do you gather the right information to have an elegant solution? Um, how do you take something from very ambiguous to very clear and simple, even if it's very complicated. So I've seen people do a lot of amazing stuff. And I was amazed by the people who do it, who have very low, I mean, education, if you want to compare it to what kind of education you get in colleges. So some people even would leave school, but still have a very unique way of being creative in that terms of finding something that is made for something else and fitting it into what like oh how did you connect that it connected internally and then they just showed you so 
this is where I started. Like I started teaching it. I started training in creativity. I started providing those tools, how to come up with ideas. So for those who are struggling, how to come up with ideas, there are so many tools that help you with that. And for those who have many, many ideas, how to decide on which idea is worth it, which one should we focus on more. And it like progress from doing these small courses, these workshops, these training into organizations, into looking at the whole culture. Because when I studied creativity and I did that in, in New York and I, and I finished my master's of science in creativity and innovation, I realized that all what I've been doing is just one part. So the people part is just one part, but then you apply creativity and to something that is useful, and then it becomes innovation. So you apply it into a process, and that becomes another part. And then you apply it into a product or a service, and that becomes another part. But there is one underlying foundation under all of them, which is the culture. So the culture of the organization or the culture of the setting where you're in can either support that or kill it. So I want to support that. I want to tell you how to measure the intangible because you, you can with some struggle, but you can. Yeah, well, I love, so you and I come from the same place in terms of belief, the belief that creativity is just an inherent human impulse. And it is sad. I, when I was um, doing research for one of my books, the, there was a survey worldwide that showed that less than 50% of people identify as identify themselves as being creative, which is just terribly sad because we all begin our lives as just fearless creatives. And to your point about um, education and creativity, you know, very smart people like our friend Seth Godin and Ken, Dr. Ken Robinson, our, our, or Sir Ken Robinson, are talking about how school schooling is actually interfering with our capacity um, to or our ability to be creative or to think creatively. I love especially what you were saying about creativity and culture. So I want to go down that rabbit hole for just a minute. Yeah. What, what is, how would you define culture and how is it that culture or what can we do within the culture of our organizations or our schools or our families or connections? What can we do to encourage more creativity, more in, innovation? I love that. Okay. So a culture, um, it's not necessarily a culture of a country. I'm talking about a culture of an organization. Sometimes the minute you enter an organization, you have a feel of, oh, this place is um, uh, it's very um, easygoing or this place is very structured or look at them very stiff, right? So whatever that feeling is there, is, there are words for it to describe it, right? And we're not trained to use those words, but a culture, an organizational culture comes with dimensions. So there are dimensions uh, that are people related. Um, is there enough trust between them? Do they collaborate enough? Do they, um, do they are they, uh, you know, um, um, risk averse or, or, or not? Or do they, do they try to see gaps and, and fill in? Like, do they feel confident speaking with one another, even if they are higher rank? And there is a dimension in the culture that is very process oriented. So do you have a sense of, okay, their experimentation is allowed. So I'm able to try something and it doesn't work, then uh, it's okay. I'm not afraid of being blamed. I'm not afraid of this, what we call failure. I can try again. Um, are there a lot of 
bottlenecks. So a lot of permission I need to get before I can get this idea or this feeling of an idea. Sometimes we don't have a, a complete formed an idea and they say, go back to your desk until you have something complete. Do you have that? So there is a process element. Uh, you also have in a culture, you also have the space. So we talk about having a creative space, but did you know that the space can actually affect your creativity? So there is a study, there are a lot of studies actually that says where you go, where you sit, could influence the type of ideas that come to you, okay? So if you go and sit in a, in a very open space, right? And I had this uh, a few months ago when I, uh, I wanted to complete a project, for example. I'll give you an example about the effect of space, right? So I wanted to complete a project. I had some details um, before, before I uh, submitted, and I decided to go to sit at a beautiful cafe right in front of the sea. It was like really well well designed lovely food and it was it was here in the city of Sharjah and so I went there and for two and a half hours I did nothing right but stare at the sea because the expansive view of the window and the blue color and this is another effect actually gives you ideas of possibilities they give you ideas of what might be they gives you um, connections of things that okay you can you can apply this in a different industry so that's not the right place for you to go and do detailed work detailed work requires low ceiling focused light and very you know system systematic way to finish all the detail. So I, I fell, you know, in the trap of the thing that I'm telling all my clients, do not do that. So if you want big and open creative ideas, go to a big and open spacious place. But if you want to go detailed, uh, try to find a place where it's, you know, closed off distraction and all that. So a lot of dimensions go into culture. And I just named like three of them. Yeah. Well, I love that. My friend, um, James Taylor, who is a, a speaker that speaks a lot about innovation and, and creativity and technology, um, is well-versed in all those studies that, about the way a space is constructed, the colors that inspire creativity, and, and that, that kind of analysis and science is, is really fascinating. One of the things that I know that you do uh, is you're out there teaching, teaching through workshops and teaching through speaking engagements and so forth. But I'm curious about who who might be the, the people that inspired you to pursue this path. Did you have teachers or mentors or was there a particular moment when you kind of realized, ah, this is this is kind of what I was put on earth to do? There are many moments of this, right? So it's just you paying attention to the pattern that keeps coming back and back and back again in all different languages like listen to me look at me and uh, so noticing these things uh, uh, yes I did have a lot of teachers uh, I did have close uh, teachers um, people that inspire me in my family or or, or sometimes uh, teachers that maybe not necessarily for the long term but sometimes moments moments of of sparking this you can do it, or you look at something differently, or I like your uh, perspective. And, the, and and I have a lot of what I call book mentors, right? So I, I read books, and, the, and if a person, I like the way that they work, the way that they write, I keep reading their books and trying to follow, literally follow their process and see what did they do? How do they make decisions? What are they looking at? And then 
how can I look at that? And I think the thing that I stumbled upon early on in my, uh, in my career, and I think it helped me a lot, is that I was open to all sorts of industries. So, so my mentors are not necessarily just from one industry. I could have someone that I read, you know, who's an astronaut or someone who's a, who's a, um, a technician and someone maybe who's a nurse or, or an oceanologist, right? <laughs> took me a while to get that. So, but that's the idea is that you, you learn from people's um, point of view and the more that you are open to different ways of thinking, the more that you are inspired by people. And, the, and, and, and I insist a lot of people who really spark this are people with low education that I, I've met or I've seen on TV or, or in videos that it's like, wow, how did they solve their problem in a very, very different way that others didn't think about it? Really, really interesting. I love um, what you're saying about virtual teachers and how books and, um, you know, sometimes it's great to have uh, teachers, you know, when they avail. Well, I think you, you're hinting at this. We can learn just as much sometimes from negative interactions with people as we can with positive ones. Those can be great yes. teaching moments. Mentors are great when we can can acquire them, but we always have access to heroes through, you know, books that we can read or stories that we hear or, or now in the video age, you know, videos that we watch. The other thing that you um, spoke to that. I think is really worth highlighting is this idea of taking kind of an interdisciplinary approach to looking at the world. I know that, you know, I have a long background in music as a performer and a teacher, and it all the time is a source of metaphor and analogy in describing things in the work that I do as a coach or um, as a speaker or, or what have you and with creative on purpose. And so being able to look at things through different lenses, even lenses that you don't have a full domain knowledge can be really, um, really important. So the, the next question, um, I have to be careful about how I state this because I don't want, there are moments in all of our lives where, you know, things don't go as we had wished they would go. And whether you call these things failures or mistakes or learning opportunities or what have you, um, those can be moments that really, you know, define us. Those are, can be great learning opportunities. So however you want to define a moment like that, what is a moment in your career along your journey where um, things didn't turn out as you would hope they would? And how did you either recover or reframe or, um, you know, use that experience to continue to step into possibility in your endeavor? Okay. Um, I prepped myself to think of good examples. And now I have to think of something that is profound, which is, uh, I have it. I have something that, uh, that was uh, uh, very, uh, fairly profound. Um, it was early in my career and uh, not even career in my life. Like I was 20 years old and, uh, and my dad died. Right. And, and I'm a person who was very attached. Uh, I was, I had a very good relationship with my dad. And so I could say easily say that my life just like went downhill. It went downhill and I was extremely, um, depressed for a year and, uh, I don't know if, I don't think it was a moment, but it was 
continuous thinking about um, uh, you know I need to I need to make him proud of me even if he cannot see that and I didn't have this thought before mm. and I needed to I needed to prove to myself that I can do it and I wasn't that serious about anything up until that point so um, I think it started with committing to look to writing um, my appointments in the agenda and looking at them. It's as simple as that. I know, but before before that, or or during this phase, or right before and during this phase, for me, an agenda or writing uh, an appointment is just like a suggestion. Why don't you just go to this appointment at this time, right? Rather than so, it wasn't. It was never a, a commitment, and so. Knowing how he was extremely uh, disciplined, I said, you know what, this is the only thing I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to make an appointment or make something and stick to it. So I think, I think my, my promise to myself and then eventually my promise to others uh, started from that moment. So if I tell you something, say if I tell you I will do it, you bet I will do it because now it's completely ingrained in me. And one of the things that came out of it is that I really need to make something. Uh, I need to find my superpowers because I, I told him one day I will do. And so I made that promise again. And I need to find, you know, a way to make it while I'm enjoying it. So I'm not going to waste my time, my life doing something or being with someone or, or going somewhere that I don't want. To go to, and yes, being uh, very um, not rebellious but extremely stubborn, uh, it helped, right? So if, if you put something in your head, you get it. And I think, I think that was the word that I remembered because he told me one time. He said, "You know, you are stubborn," <laughs> but uh, you know, at that time it wasn't good stubborn. But he told me, "You know, you can, you can make it." to your advantage because stubborn people, if they put a goal in their head, they will see no blocks until they reach there. So maybe someday you can put it to your advantage. And I did, and I did that. Well, what a lovely story, especially because we were just talking about virtual mentors. And so even in your dad's passing, he continued to be a mentor and a teacher to you. And that's, uh, I just, I I love that recollection, that anecdote. you also, you know, so like you, I have been accused of being stubborn. Um, I prefer persistent. Um, I love stubborn. No, enjoy <laughs> stubborn. It's good. Well, what I'm curious about is something that I had to learn um, yes. about having this kind of default setting of like, you know, is that sometimes my my the strength of being able to, to state a, a goal and then just rigorously pursue it until it's done prevented me from seeing other opportunities and possibilities that would lead me to even better places. And when I, you know, so I've come up with some strategies to help me set a name and be moving into something, but also moment by moment be paying attention to what's happening now, just in case there's unanticipated obstacles, unanticipated lessons, unanticipated guides and mentors, uh, unintended, unexpected possibilities. I'm just curious about any strategies that you have for, you know, being kind of on 
plan or you know on strategy but at the same time being remaining open to wonder and possibility i love this i love this cut because i just had this uh, case just this week so i have something for you i have something very fresh for you so two things the first thing is that there are processes that help you uh the different process, innovation process, the ones that I use, for example, it could be design thinking, could be creative problem solving, uh, it could be biomimicry, right? But the idea is that you go through stages and the stages are usually you start with opening up. This is where you gather information or you look for ideas or you come up with options and then you close down to focus. And then at the second stage, you open up and you close down. So some people, like yourself, I think, once you figure out what idea works for you, you continue in a very straight line towards the, the end. You're running, right? While I would say if you follow a process, like a, a, a deliberate creative process, it will say, okay, you are focused, you have a goal, you keep an anchor, a physical anchor in front of you that reminds you, like whatever that anchor means that shows you this is my this is my finishing line, but then this is the second, uh, the second tip. You set the intention to be observant or you set the intention, say, I am opening up to you know, new sources of information and I will decide if that source is helping me or not or this idea is helping me or not. So I know it's a lot to keep in your head, but your head is more than capable of keeping everything. But once you figure out, okay, this is where I'm heading. This is my intention to whatever that is, to stay open, to stay creative, to stay, um, uh, you know, inspired by someone else, to stay connected if you wanted to bring in your, your tribe together and, and just follow through this like open and close uh, process. When you are zooming in, you're running and then at moments of reflection, you say, okay, what is out there around me before I continue the last phase? So yeah. hopefully that helps. No, that's. I think that's brilliant because to me, what I'm what I'm hearing is, you know, you you have to have an aspiration, which is obviously something that's going to happen in the future. But then at the same time, you must remain present and in the moment, you know, on a day to day, moment to moment basis. And one of the, one of the few benefits of being a human being is that we have this capacity to hold opposing ideas in our head at the same time. So why not leverage something yes. that's uniquely human? Um, so I, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, uh, one of the things that came from a conversation I had with another guest on this broadcast was um, this revelation that he had, which was, you know, we, uh, we set our sights on getting someplace great, but we end up very often someplace very different, but in many ways often better or greater. And then at the same time, um, get the had the feeling that we end up exactly where you know we were kind of meant to be and I, I as a believer in in providence and fate you know for me it's just here I am you know now is my chance to frame and decide where I want to go but I don't control where I end up so I'll just enjoy the process of, of trying to get there I love what you're saying too I wanted to touch on this before um, our time comes to an end because you spoke to it um, a couple different ways, but the words that you were using were commitment and promise. And I think that these are, these are the hallmarks of somebody that's a professional in a creative domain or a domain of any part. This idea that we are committing to um, a process, 
uh, an audience, a collaboration, um, and, you know, committing to a purpose and that, you know, we make promises and we, and we keep them. So maybe just unpack that just a, a tiny bit more. How do you how do you see it? Like how do you see people, or what does it make you feel when you see someone who promises something and they don't deliver? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's really hard to to earn or to to remain feeling trustful about somebody that does you know tr- feeling a feeling a trust towards someone exactly. that is not keeping their practices. And trust is if we're going to make change happen, we have to have trust and enrollment. And the only way you can get that is is by honoring commitments and promises and I, I when i when i watch old movies i love the fact that people do it with a handshake sometimes a spit and a handshake but we don't want that handshake is enough and then they were able to do this commitment just with a handshake and i say why don't we do it right now like why don't we have the same uh, thing so it doesn't come suddenly it comes throughout your life uh, the more that you commit and the more that you stick to your commitment, the more people will say, okay, if you say you're going to do it, I will trust that. I will trust that you're going to do it. And I think um, we keep shifting. We keep shifting our shapes. We keep shifting our focus, uh, our careers. But your character stays with you. Skills mm-hmm. you learn. Skills mm-hmm. you learn. Because when I was working in Canada, I was, I was, I was running a leadership program for nonprofit organizations. And then suddenly I moved here and I was teaching architecture engineering school, right, at, at, at the university level. And I was teaching them design and the basic design and leadership. So I brought the design thinking process in a completely different industry. A, architecture was new to me and B, teaching at higher education was new to me. And then what worked with me is my... I, I am the same person. You put me here, you put me there. I'm exactly the same person, and my handshake is final. <laughs> so uh, there, I rely a, on that. Yeah. Well, there's a, one of my very favorite quotes. I'm, I'm a. I I read a lot of um, ancient kind of Socratic, pre-Socratic, Hellenistic history, and uh, one of the pre-Socratics, Heraclitus, has an aphorism um, that character is fate. And I, I just think that that's, that that's one of those phrases I keep close to mind whenever I oh, find it? myself. Character is fate. Character is fate. Yeah, and you, you, you're speaking to that. Well, we've, we've just zipped through our half hour together, Rhonda, and I, I want to um, conclude with a question that I um, have ended every interview recently with, and that is if you have one tip or piece of advice that you would like to leave listeners with, that will help them fly higher in endeavors where they seek to make a difference? I do have one tip, and that is um, creating intentions. Like you have daily intentions, whatever that intention. It helps you focus on what you're going after. It helps you see patterns that help you reach your goal. Uh, you can experiment with your intention every day. Today, I intend to be creative. Uh, in coming up with ideas. Today, I intend to be focused. Today, I intend to be uh, confident, for example. And confidence will have different interpretations. So some people see confidence as empowered. Others see it as elegant. And and some people see as as respected, right? So whatever that is, um, if you experiment with intention, then you're always self-developing. 
always because you start to notice all things that you haven't noticed yesterday with a new word, with a new intention every day. So that is my tip. I, I use it and I and I live by it and I, I see it work. So hopefully uh, it helps. I, I love it uh, as the uh, purveyor of an endeavor called Creative on Purpose. I, I can totally get behind intention. So Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Rhonda and I really appreciate you lending us some of your valuable time and attention, and we hope that today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater curiosity and courage. You can learn more about Rhonda at what's the best place, Rhonda, to connect with you online. So sajuri.com is to give you a general idea of of what I do. LinkedIn might be the best, uh, and uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. So LinkedIn and, LinkedIn and and Twitter are Randa Tahir, my name, and uh, Instagram would be sajuri.imagines. And sajuri is S-A-J-O-R-Y. Yes. Fantastic. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, it's always great to see you at creativeonpurpose.com. And of course, when you get there, be sure to download all the goodies. And now we'd like to encourage you to go out and make a difference and keep flying higher Rhonda Tahar, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone.